Hi, I'm Stephanie Lemick, and this is Building Trauma-Informed Workplaces. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing the second principle of trauma-informed workplaces, trust and transparency. Trust and transparency is key in building trauma-informed workplace cultures. The existence of trust, or lack thereof, is a foundational component of any interpersonal relationship. And as we've all experienced, interpersonal relationships are central to the modern workplace. So as we look to build trauma-informed cultures, we also need to understand the importance of trust within and throughout organizations and how we can build trust within and among different teams. You've probably talked a lot about trust and transparency in life in general and how it relates to the workplace. So I'm excited to spend a little bit of time taking a look at building trust through transparency, which is how I like to think of this because not all transparency builds trust or builds trust in a psychologically safe way. So it's important to be thoughtful around what we're transparent with and how we can leverage that to build trust and continue to leverage trust. It's also really important to understand that organizational trust is built through all these unique individual relationships, and then also trust with that overall organization as well. So the idea of building trust throughout and within the organization is key. What's great about trust and transparency being principles of trauma-informed workplaces, is they also have great statistics as they relate to overall benefits to workplace cultures in general. So in addition to being part of building a workplace that is trauma-informed and everyone can be successful, building trust in your organization has some other great measurable benefits. Organizations that have significant levels of trust are, generally speaking, 76% more engaged. Employees have 13% fewer sick days. There's 40% less burnout in high-trust organizations and a 66% increase in team unity. So it's amazing as we look at the benefits of trust and transparency in creating trauma-informed workplaces, we can also leverage some pretty significant benefits as it relates to workplace outcomes and some workplace metrics likely you are tracking within your organization So where do we start when we want to look at talking about trust? We actually want to start with ourselves and reflecting on our own relationship with trust. It's easy to think about reflecting on your trust in someone or what kind of relationship you have with a person. But have you ever considered how you approach trust and how you give trust to others? Probably not. I didn't reflect on my approach or my relationship with trust prior to starting to do this work. Why is it important to reflect on your own relationship with trust? Well, understanding your own approach to trust will help you better understand yourself and also will help you understand key experiences that have shaped your relationship with trusting others I'll also help you recognize when there are different approaches to trust. 
occurring and maybe different impacts or outcomes to breaches of trust. So when we look at trust and we look at our individual relationships with trust, generally speaking, there are two primary approaches to the way people approach trust or how they trust others. The first is automatic trusters. This is me. So automatic trusters approach a new relationship with at least some level of trust, initially trusting the other party unless something happens to break that trust. Think of this automatic truster personality or persona as someone having an inclination to give others the benefit of the doubt. The second type of truster or relationship to trust is an evidence-based truster. And that individual approaches a new relationship with distrust or maybe even skepticism. So trust will take time to establish and be based on trust cues and alignment of that person's words and actions. However, once trust is established, only major infractions are likely to undermine the trust in the relationship in a significant way. What's interesting here is automatic trusters are often much more affected by small trust infractions, and they trigger a more severe and long-lasting backlash. Why is that? Well, because your way of thinking and viewing the world is being challenged. You're automatically offering trust, and someone betrayed it. It is challenging that initial point of view or worldview. Quick reminder here, there's absolutely no right or wrong way to approach trust. It just is what it is. But understanding how we approach trust is so important so we can be thoughtful about our own behaviors, our own approaches to trust, and our own approaches to trust infractions, and just have that self-awareness as it relates to trust and how we'll look to build trust with others, especially those individuals who may approach trust in a different way. It might be frustrating building a relationship with another person whose approach to trust doesn't mirror your own. And this may be more evident, especially at the beginning of a new relationship, uh, that behavior is going to be more stark up front. So you automatically trust someone. Um, if you're an automatic truster, and then that person is really waiting to see, um, they need evidence of that trust. And so that can maybe chafe against the beginning of a relationship when that is different. So understanding there is going to be super beneficial as you're building those new relationships. It also will be helpful to understand how infractions that may seem less serious to someone who has built trust over time, someone who is more of an automatic truster may have a more visceral reaction to those trust infractions, as they're called. So it's just super important to help understand how you approach trust and work with team members and building relationships on how they approach trust as well. So understanding your own approach to trust and any baggage you might have related to trust um, at work will be super helpful for you as you look to tailor your strategy as a team member, as a leader, for how you can create a trusting environment in relationships, in your teams, in your organization.
At the root of trust is a relationship. So trust can't exist without a positive, authentic relationship. The best thing you can do when you're looking to start building trust with someone new is to really focus on creating and maintaining positive, authentic relationship with that person. Um, And so think about it as building positive, authentic relationships with your team and throughout your organization. This is probably something you're already doing. It is something to be thoughtful and deliberate about. Don't get me wrong. Being thoughtful and deliberate here is going to be really helpful and really key. But you're probably already doing some of this. Do you kick off meetings with a little bit of small talk um, with your direct reports? If you have a one-on-one with them, do you kick off by talking about their weekend? Do you share information? Do you care when they're upset or they have exciting news? Again, just building those relationships in an authentic and positive way is super important. Authentic is key here. People can tell when the relationship is not genuine. And that's going to erode trust because it's, it's, it's weird when someone pretends to be really close with you um, and they're not. It's, it's a, a, a small trust infraction, but a trust infraction. And for those of you who maybe are hybrid or remote workers, you might be thinking, how can I build authentic relationships virtually? It can be done, I promise. Um, This is something that always kind of makes me chuckle a little bit, but I also have to step back and remember my experience is much different than a lot of folks' experience. As a career HR professional, a lot of the time I spent early in my career My HR colleagues, sometimes even my bosses, were not in the same location as me, you know, working in large organizations with multiple sites. So I did build relationships over the phone, over Zoom, um, you know, quarterly meetings right out of college, early on in my career, out of necessity because of how the HR teams were structured. So while it seems challenging, and it can be challenging, don't get me wrong, It's absolutely possible. The key is just being deliberate about making time for those authentic, positive interactions, whether it's a quick coffee catch up once a month, maybe taking a few minutes at the beginning or the end of a meeting to kind of have a bit of small talk, finding ways to connect with people on a genuine personal level. That's the key. And I promise you there's a way for you to make it work for you. And the more tailored it is to you, the better, because it's going to be more authentic. So it's a win-win there because you're being deliberate, you're being authentic. That's going to be an amazing foundation for building trust. The next way to build trust is to demonstrate expertise and sound judgment. It's great. That's something we all want to do at work. So that is probably something, again, you're also doing, but maybe something to be deliberate about. So people trust others who know what they're doing and talking about. Make sure you're demonstrating your expertise at work and expertise in kind of your your own uh, purview. Um, People do not necessarily love when you demonstrate expertise in an area where you are not an expert, or perhaps they are the expert. So within the context of your job, demonstrate that expertise, and that's going to help build trust. Great news here. If you're doing your job well, 
you can use that, you can leverage that to build trust. This same thinking goes for sound judgment and decision making. Showing strong problem solving and judgment can help build trust as well. A tip here is to not be afraid to share your reasoning with your peers, your team members. That can help you build credibility faster and also reinforces that concept of transparency. Because if people understand how you got to a resolution, they can think about how if they would have followed those similar steps, they understand that sound logic. And again, it can help build and reinforce trust. What's great here is sometimes, especially if we might be automatic trusters, so I'm an automatic truster and I'm going to pick on myself. So if we're an automatic truster and we're in a certain position, we may have an expectation that if we resolve a problem, a problem that is in our expertise, that automatically it would be accepted. Perhaps we don't need to explain ourselves because we would not expect that of someone else in a similar situation because we're automatically working from a place of trust. We understand based on position, that level of expertise, and we're okay. We're ready to move forward, but we're ignoring other perspectives when we're doing that. We're ignoring those evidence-based trusters. And so a great way to help yourself better understand, better relate, better build trust with those evidence trusters is going ahead and walking folks through how you got to a resolution or a solution. This really helps. And then on the flip side, if someone is maybe not automatically offering that resolution, asking for that information in a way that doesn't seem like a critique. Like, hey, it really helps me understand if you can share with me your reasoning so I can just have a better full view of what you're talking through. Um, so just, re again, remember the two sides of the coin as we think about the different types of trusters. Finally, if you're looking to build trust, make sure you are leveraging consistency in word and deed. I love this quote. Consistency is the true foundation of trust. Either keep your promises or do not make them. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Under promise, over deliver. Don't pro make promises you don't intend to keep and do what you say you'll do. All of these are amazing reminders of a core component of building trust. It's about following through. Make sure your actions are consistent with your words as much as humanly possible. So that may require a little bit more thought with our words and what we say, a little bit more precision in our language. And it's also really important to, for those of us who maybe struggle with saying yes too often, it's really important to exercise our boundaries and say no here to make sure you're not over-promising and under-delivering. And I know that that one has been a challenge for me throughout my career because I do, I like to say yes, I like to raise my hand, but when you don't get to something, not only is it not done and you didn't get to it, but it also is working against your efforts to build trust. So it's 
two-prong kind of failure and that you haven't accomplished something and you are also potentially eroding trust you have with someone. And those trusting relationships are so, so important. This also means setting examples for your team and team members. When you ask them to do something, make sure you're willing to do it yourself. Or even better, maybe let them see you do it. I'm going to throw an example out here. If you're asking your team to return to the office, you should probably be returning to the office and, and leading the way and making sure they're seeing you do that. Hypocrisy definitely erodes trust. Broken promises definitely erode trust. These are enemies of building trust within a team and organization. I hinted a little bit at the beginning of this podcast on how I've I love transparency as a tool to build trust. And specifically, I like to think of thoughtful transparency. And what that means is relevant and helpful information should be shared with your team. It also means that sharing information that doesn't compromise another trusting relationship. So you don't want to betray another relationship by sharing information with other team members. And of course, you absolutely do not want to share information that is confidential. Transparency gets really important and really a little bit tricky here as you become more senior in a role or you have a more specialized position where you may be privy to information in the organization that others are not. It's really important when you're in a position of authority, when you have access to information others don't, that maybes and what ifs become top of mind. And you want to avoid creating those maybes and what ifs and kind of unnecessary uncertainty and distress among your teams. You want to provide information that is transparent and aids in trust, but you do not want to create a scenario where folks are wondering what's next. So if there is a discussion about changes in an org structure, but they aren't finalized, discussing the potential with your team and a variety of different options is not necessarily going to be helpful. I won't say it always isn't helpful because there's some nuance as it relates to different teams, different communication styles, different structures. But In most scenarios, it's not going to be helpful because, again, you're creating uncertainty, maybes, what ifs. The best time to communicate is when you're as certain as you can be and it's time for the information to be disseminated. So it's important here to be thoughtful about when we're sharing information. Everyone can't know everything all the time, so transparency becomes challenging when you face it with that fact, but thoughtful transparency is really the key. You're actively trying to be transparent. You want to share information, but you also don't want to cause harm to other relationships, breach confidentiality, or make unnecessary waves or create distress within your team. So if you're looking for some examples as a leader of what transparency can look like in action, Here are some great ones and great places to start. Setting clear expectations. I think this is my favorite one. Crystal clear expectations. I tell you what could solve maybe 70% of workplace issues. 
This is just a wild number I'm throwing out from many years of experience in HR, but at the root of a lot of issues and all sorts of different issues are unclear or differing expectations. Another example, sharing company KPIs and results with the team. I love this one. This is fantastic. Answering questions from all levels of the organization. So regardless of your level in the organization, being open and ready to provide answers to questions and information to anyone on the team. Recognizing missteps and outlining plans for resolutions. This is a great one. And this connects in with our principle of humility and responsiveness, which we'll talk about later on the season. But when you recognize your mis missteps, when you say, hey, we know we made this mistake. Hey, we know we did this wrong. Again, that's transparency there. That's building trust and then outlining plans for resolution and then following through. We want to match our word and our deed here can again help restore and build trust. Salary transparency is another one. I know there are mixed feelings um, from, you know, internal HR professionals, executives around transparency. I would say the shift is overwhelmingly towards salary transparency, especially as we're seeing additional legislation require it. But salary transparency helps answer questions people may have. I kind of, you know, we remove the, we take the man from behind the curtain, a little Wizard of Oz reference there. Salary transparency helps answer questions. And, and most of us are working because we want to earn money and provide for ourselves and our families. So salary transparency is an amazing and really important one. You probably need the support of your organization to most effectively leverage salary transparency. But I love this example, especially since it's such a relevant topic today. And next, performance and promotion process transparency and any other kind of process transparency, career pathing, make sure it's clear and folks understand what they look like and what they can expect um, at every level in the organization. So I referenced earlier that trust is key at every level of the organization. So if you don't trust your manager, your relationship, with overall trust in your organization is going to be harmed and vice versa. So it's really important to understand that trust exists within various relationships. So we have to build trust at every level within the organization. That's peer to peer within teams, employee to manager, team to leader, among teams, and for the organization as a whole. So trust is a big deal. And trust really kind of comes into play in any way a relationship comes into play at work. It's a really important thing to be thoughtful about and to have guardrails and processes within your organization to support that trust at every level. It probably seems like a lot to tackle, and in many ways it is, but eroding trust within any of these relationships can impact the entire organization. So it's important to proactively build trust throughout the organization, and work hard to repair trust when it has been breached. I hate to say this, but trust is much easier built than rebuilt, regardless of what kind of truster you are, whether you're an automatic truster or an evidence-based truster. 
So the best solution is always going to be prevention. So the best solution upfront, whether you are thinking about this as an individual, as a leader, as someone who's approaching trust for an, an organizational level, always, 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 the best solution is going to be prevention and making sure trust is actively built and not betrayed. That said, we are not always at the benefit of having amazing trusting organizations, relationships that we're entering in. So imagine a scenario you can't control. So maybe you're a new manager on a team and there have been consistent and pervasive trust issue. How can you build that broken trust? So you're a new leader. You are not the one who, you know, worked in a scenario where trust was broken. However, you you do have to acknowledge and move forward so you can work to build trust or rebuild trust, at least in the context of the team and the organization. First, you have to acknowledge the lack of trust. You have to call it out. You have to make the issue known. You have to name it. So acknowledge the lack of trust or the issue or the betrayal and honor the experiences of the team. Then you want to make sure to display trust actively as a leader. Beginning with trust, even if it is uncomfortable, is key to rebuilding it. From there, double down on the same behaviors that you would need to use to build and maintain trust. So go back to all those things we just talked about. And listen, do not expect this change to be quick. This change will take time and you may need to remove parties on that team. You may need to remove team members that are still working to erode trust to help eliminate the issue. But trust me, building a trusting, trauma-informed organization is well worth it. With trusting relationships rooted in transparency, your organization can be well on its way to building a trauma-informed workplace culture and experiencing the benefits we talked about. Just remember, trust must be built and maintained. Once you've planted the seed, continue to water it and enjoy how it blossoms over time. Thank you so much for your time today.